Last night, I knew exactly what I was doing, and it was the best night of my life. Now I am aware that I sacrificed my Cruiserweight Championship rematch by defying the no contact clause on Enzo Amore as established by Kurt Angle. But you know what? I don't care. And given the opportunity, I will do it again. And again. And again. So my advice to little muscles marinara Keep one eye open, buddy, because you never know where this creature is going to be lurking. Eager to feed off your pain and misery because I refuse to allow 205 Live to degenerate at the hands of such a talentless little rat. Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to Just What the Internet Needed More Of. That's right, it's a wrestling podcast, another wrestling podcast. It is called Top Marks. It is another wrestling podcast called Top Marks. My name is Justin Morissette, and I am pleased to be joined once again, as I am each and every week, by the janitor himself, Josh Custodian. I'm fired up today. I'm here, like you say, no rest for the wicked, 24-7, beast in 25-8. You're looking at the janitor. You're looking at the kid. I'm here, and I'm ready to podcast. Oh, he's been fired out of a can. I Woo! like it. The janitor is... Sounds like he has a big match coming up later tonight. <laughs> yeah, my big match was with the SkyTrain getting here today. It's like the yeah. apocalypse in Vancouver today. Apparently, there was a switch error. Yeah, I don't know I, what that means. That sounds like bullshit. Yeah. That sounds like a cover story for uh, some some violent crime. It was definitely a violent crime. <laughs> yeah. Justin, do you know why I had to take the SkyTrain today? Uh, I think I have some idea, but do you want to clue in the listeners? Justin, you moved this week. I did for the third time in the last year. That's too much. It is. Are you? Do you think you're gonna? You're settled in now. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I maybe I'll meet a lady. You oh never boy, know. ladies, uh, careful. <laughs> Young J-Mo was out there, and he's coming for you, and he wants to move into your home. <laughs> I didn't say that. He just, I, I guarantee I, it. I know. I, actually, I did just say that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you never know how things will go. I do feel ready to stay put for a while. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. And I feel like this is probably the place to do that, considering this is a beautiful apartment. It's a beautiful apartment. What a view. It's. Uh, I mean, this is great audio content, talking of about course. how nice the view is of from course, here. Yeah. It is beautiful here at Skyloft. You live with another friend of ours now. It's very fun. Yeah. Do you think we're going to have like a Monday Night Wars situation between if we're going to watch now wrestling content at this house or typically at my house, yeah, Beard because, How 5? because typically the number one perk that Beard How 5 has had in the past, other than uh, you know being the home of the janitor himself, That's right. Uh, is that you had somehow figured out to do the one thing that I could never do. What's that? Which is get the WWE Network streaming <laughs> through the app on your PS4. I'm very smart. 
But I now have that here. Oh, no. Because I am now logged in on the same account that you are. And I figured out that this is that was the holdup the entire time. Because yeah. I, I have an account for the network. Okay. And I did have one before in my old place. But my problem is all of the accounts I've been trying to log in with have been Canadian accounts. Oh. So when you go to log in, it says, it says hey, no mas. we have never heard of this account before, even though if I try to log in with the wrong password, it'll be like, your password is wrong. So it knew <laughs> that, nah, that's, yeah. I mean, yeah. listen, I still think we're going to be at my house because I'm... Because, uh, and you have cable, so, you know, in terms of, like, yeah. Monday Night Raw every Monday, I think... I think Beard Have Five will still be the place to be. I'm with you. And J- Josh C is the man to beat <laughs> because the champ is here. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, just like Justin said, we are Top Marks, another wrestling podcast. Thank you so much for listening this week. Justin, uh, I'm going to explain the format of the show here. Go ahead. Okay? I'm just going to explain sort of what, what it is we do and in what order. Okay. Like just sort of give the full picture. Like you know how when you write a, an essay in college and they say, hey, you got to tell them what – what you're going to be talking yeah, about. Yeah, your intro paragraph yeah. is supposed to outline your next three paragraphs and then hint at your conclusion, which, why am I hinting at my conclusion? <laughs> yeah, Can't so, we just get there? Yeah, Can't it be like a journey? Uh, you don't want to give it away. Exactly. Just like wrestling, you don't want to give it away. So I'm going to do that for our podcast yeah. now. Yeah, exactly. I'm just going to talk about what our format exactly. is. What if during like the... The like hype video at the beginning of No Mercy. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it previewed all the matches and then it was like, You're gonna feel really disappointed at the end of all this. It would have saved me some time that's, on Sunday. That's so true. maybe maybe my English professors were onto something. Yeah. Just in the format of our show is as such. We will talk about the three Biggest topics in the world of wrestling for a maximum of no longer than 15 minutes, which is... The length of a WCW television title match. Exactly. We do that so that we don't drone on and on and the show doesn't go to like an hour and a half. Or yeah, exactly. Like an hour and 37 minutes. Who would want to listen to anything for that long? <laughs> Just That's did. crazy. Just did. <laughs> do you want to know what the three rounds we're going to talk about this week are, I'd love Justin? to, yeah. Well, then I'm going to tell you what they are. Round number one, Justin, we just talked about it a little bit. We watched No Mercy together on uh, Sunday. Yes. We have some feelings about it. We do. We're going to talk about what those feelings are for 15 minutes. I have no doubt we're going to get through the full 15 minutes on that one. I don't, I, I do have some doubts about that, you actually. You think you're just going to say I didn't like it? Well, no. We'll get to that when we get there. In round number two, uh, I think... I think I can speak for both of us here when I say that uh, NXT sort of feels like the the hot product I fell in love with again, or at least like it's getting there. I've been much more into NXT lately, and we're going to talk about why that is for me, see if you agree. We'll get into that in round number two. And in uh, round number three, we're going to talk about a guy who uh, has turned babyface, has had quite the couple months, I think you say. We're going to talk about Neville. He he main-evented Raw this week in some ways. Yeah, sure. Might not necessarily have been the focus, but certainly feels like the story uh, in a larger sense than perhaps his opponent uh, coming out of all of what has happened with him over the last three nights, considering... That that is, you know, one of the few guys who Sunday, Monday, Tuesday has been on our television three nights in a row here. I'm excited to get more in depth with it. Uh, we're also going to have a great episode of Sunday Night Tweet, and I'm going to let you know who won the podcast last week. Uh, <laughs> anything else you want to get to off the hop here, Justin? I just love the idea that you're letting me know the topics before we start right yeah. now, as if I 
have no idea what the topics are, yeah. and I'm completely unprepared to talk about all of these things, which is honestly why I never have anything to say. It's a wonder <laughs> yeah. that yeah. you let me come back week after week, it considering is, I am so ill-prepared. It is true. Show. You just sort of show up. You know, you're half in the bag. you got six <laughs> beers surrounding you. God knows what sort of afternoon you have. There's and flies, like, circling <laughs> my head. A vulture outside of your window. <laughs> uh, Justin, before we get to round number one, though, we have a sponsor this oh, week. Oh, right. So uh, I'm just going to... I got to read this ad. So uh, there's a little bit of interplay here. Okay, okay. I'll do my best. So uh, just let me talk and then answer when there's a pause. I know the company all doesn't always like it when I I got to be honest. The notes from last week, they they loved my side of yeah. it. I thought you were, you know. But they still want me to be involved. That's the curious part. You have a nicer voice. Okay, I would think eventually that they would just want me to stay out of it altogether. I think ideally they want you to say my words because you have the nicer ah. voice, but they think I'm the better ad reader. Oh, okay. So uh, he- here we go. You're more on brand. I think that's exactly it. Yes. I'm a total corporate shell. Of I'm course. Sell out. I have the corporate I've, loser. I've always said that you. about you. No question. <laughs> Do you have heart problems? No. Does your back hurt? No. It sounds like you. Well, no. Hey, God, you got to say yes here. Oh, to that, to that one. To, just to, to maybe, both of them. Maybe just say yes. All of them. I'm gonna take it from Everything. the top. Just say yes. Okay. okay. All right. Just maybe just say yes. Like pretend you're Daniel Bryan. Sure. You. Sure. All right. So uh, here we go. This is. Let's hope they they don't hear that before part. Okay. Do you have heart problems? Yes! Do you have back problems? Yes! Do you have trouble sleeping? Yes! Then what you need is a 2005 Epiphone Thunderbird bass. It has four strings and will help you rock and roll until you feel like 100%. Does that sound like something you might be interested in, Justin? I don't know that the power of rock and roll is going to lilt me to sleep. That seemed like an odd selling point. Oh I, did like, I did like that it's oh going to help my, my back problems, though. Like, <sighs> like, it, like carrying that no. weight. On the sling over my shoulder. I can't imagine they're going to come back. With the guitar strap, it's going to fix my back. I like that idea. Yeah. But the sleep part, I I would hope that the power of rock would keep me up all night. Well, no, because you're so so exerted. You've exerted yourself Ah. with the rock and roll. Ah, see? Then you sleep like a baby. Now I understand that I'm looking forward to that. That's what I like to hear, Justin, (laughs) because if you use promo code TOPMARKS, you can get... Not really like a... Noticed by our Twitter searches. Exactly. So when we search (laughs) promo code TOPMARKS, which we do, and really only one of you's ever tweeted it, and I liked it, so... But it's a discount code that doesn't really give you, like, a a traditional discount. It's, you know, in terms of, like, does money come off? Yeah, no, 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 but... but It's not a discount, it's a count dis. Because when we find it, we're adding another tally to our list, count dis tweet... (laughs) In terms of how many tweets have been sent with that promo code overall. So you heard it here, folks. Just one so far. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, 2005 Epiphone Thunderbird Base. If you're interested, just use uh, discount code Pro- TOPMARKS and uh, go to the company's Twitter account. That's twitter.com slash J0SHC. And uh, I'm sure they'll hook you up. And with our corporate obligations out of the way, it's time for round, round number one. one. Round one. Justin, I wish that the WWE would have had some mercy on me Sunday. (laughs) No mercy. That's what they gave us on Sunday, just in my opinion. This was a pay-per-view that listeners of the last week's show will know I was very much looking forward to, as were you. Yeah, I mean, we've we've been suckered in a few times by these Raw pay-per-views. For sure, yeah. Because I feel like we said the same thing about Great Balls of Fire, that, oh my goodness, this feels like the biggest... Post brand split yeah. pay per view ever. 
which is not – I mean, that's a year. Uh, a I, little more than a year. Yeah, I, I thought Great Balls is probably the best WWE pay-per-view this year so far. It certainly had the, the main event that delivered the most. Yeah, absolutely. Um, unfortunately, in terms of main events that delivered, why don't we just start here at the top? Actually, I don't – would you put Brock Joe one-on-one above the SummerSlam four-way? It's hard to. No. No, yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, but I do think it was the best Brock Lesnar match in a little bit. That's true. Um, and the best Samoa Joe match. Yeah. Uh, for, for that matter. Uh, and I love Samoa Joe. But uh, I did not love this match between Papa Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar on Sunday. Justin, what did you think? Honestly, it is so strange to me that we were recording this on Wednesday before we watch NXT. And... This pay-per-view feels like it exists in a haze in my memory. Mm, yeah. And you know, I did not smoke that night. No, you did not. There's T- no haze. Typically, I do partake in the... A little green medicine? Yeah, exactly, from time to time. A jazz cigarette or uh, two? Yeah, I like to uh, <laughs> indulge in some revelry while we watch pay-per-views. <laughs> and that, but that was not the case on Sunday. You were clear-minded. And I don't remember this show hardly at all. Yeah, I, I think that... There isn't a whole lot to remember, Justin. My big takeaway from this is that it wasn't quite the the car crash that we know that these guys can have. As you pointed out, we saw at the SummerSlam 4-Way that these guys are capable of having some real brutality. But it wasn't the car crash of a pay-per-view either where it stands out as like a fast lane. No, certainly not. Of being just a terrible show from top to bottom. Just kind of middling in a way that was extremely underwhelming. And I think missed the expectations mark greater than a lot of them. Because Brock Lesnar versus Braun Strowman should be great. And I don't want to eat up this whole round on this match, but I am pissed off, Mm -hmm. Justin. I am pissed off that you're going to build Braun Strowman up. For how many months has this been? He ate a loss to Roman in there, but he's been built extremely But he also beat Roman a couple times. Two times, yeah. He has the the more victories over him. So we're talking about, what, a year and a half of a very strong build from this guy. Since the brand split. And you're going to have him go down to 1F5? Um, yeah, that's kind of the shocking thing to me. Because I, like, I did like the story of the match being that like, in taking him to Suplex City, Brock was also wearing himself out. He knew that, he had to get out that, of there. That, that yeah. the German suplexes were doing as much damage and wear and tear on Brock to deliver them as they were to Braun taking them. Well, and all credit to Brock there, because I thought he did sell very clearly every time he would hoist Braun. He, I'm sure it was difficult, but he would also sell his like lower back. Feel the ribs also afterwards, and, and commentary did a good job of telling Absolutely. the story as well. Absolutely. But then that story doesn't really come into play at all in the finish. Like, nothing comes into play in the finish. It's no. A, it's another one of those, exactly the same way that he beat uh, Samoa Joe, like we were just saying. Just one F5, and that's all it took. And my fear, Justin, and normally I like this kind of booking, but just because this isn't the path that I want them to go down, I do feel like this is inevitably leading to a mania moment where Roman's the first guy to kick out of an F5 in a very long time. Absolutely. For sure it is. I'm not into that. Because, like, you know, we're, we... We're talking a little bit amongst ourselves yesterday about this seeming like it's going to a place. Or maybe it was Mike and I. I can't quite remember. Regardless. the same person. Regardless, uh, that this is going towards Brock versus Roman, and Roman is the only person that can beat Brock. Right. And obviously Goldberg also beat him in that stretch. Which I still but, hate. <laughs> but Goldberg never kicked out of an F5. Goldberg caught him by surprise and beat him in like a minute 20. Yeah, because he was under... What, he, what he, he was overconfident. Overconfident, yeah. Yes. yeah underprepared. Yes. Uh, so my takeaway from this match is... It, it, I genuinely feel like Braun is hurt by this. I really do. I, I do think that the match he had against Dean Ambrose on Monday kind of 
like to me that stands out more than the Brock match because it was a great match. Like they both yeah. Dean and Braun came out of that looking great, Absolutely. and my memory is more inclined to remember something that I really enjoyed like that over a match that greatly disappointed me. Well, and there's no question, but. Uh... Uh, putting a bow on it, I, I think that probably is the end of that feud from now. I hope they re, uh, get Braun back to where he was and, it, and just make him the guy. And it's more so than that the match wasn't as good as we hoped. It feels like a missed opportunity. That's right. That's the biggest thing. That's right. That, like, we all know that Braun Strowman is the guy. That he has been the guy for at least six months. He gets the biggest reactions. The crowd loves him. Yep. Absolutely loves him. He is, like, the crowd reacts to everything that he does the way that they want people to react to Roman, and no one does. Well, or even just consider Braun in that Brock mode, in that exact role. If if all he had to do was these eight-minute matches, but he still showed up on Raw all the time, I, I'd be all into a Braun championship run. But you talked about missed opportunities. Boy, the co-main event, or well, I suppose it was third from the top on the card, but the, the perceived co-main event of uh, Roman Reigns and John Cena... This also felt like a, a missed opportunity to me, Justin. What yeah. did you think? I mean, I said this at the time after the match itself when we were watching on Sunday that these are two guys that, you know, as much as people might have their knocks against them as wrestlers by themselves, seemingly have excellent chemistry with everyone That's and right. tend to draw out the best in everyone that they wrestle. For sure. Um, maybe John Cena even at a higher level than Roman. But I think that's very true of Roman as well. Yeah, I think you can make an argument for either guy being more of that, but the two of them definitely being near the top of that list. And so if, that, if you think that that's true of both, then the argument might follow that maybe John Cena is the guy who can draw out the absolute best in Roman Reigns. But I think the problem is uh, that these guys, you know, if you, I often liken things to hockey because sure. that's my sport of choice right. when it comes to metaphors but you know maybe the case here is that these guys are both uh like trigger men or you know they're they're both shooters sure and you need a guy to do the actual playmaking which might be the aj styles and like sure both of these guys had excellent cracker with aj yeah and and you know maybe it's that their opponent is doing the majority of the actual work to let them look as good as they do in these matches. I think there's probably a little of that. There, there's some so of when, that. So when you put them together, even though they're both regarded as, like, workhorse dudes who, you know, like, never take nights off or whatever. Like, Cena has that reputation more yeah. than Roman again. But that's kind of, like, the mode that we think of them as. You know, maybe there's something missing, the the main ingredient to really be the glue that holds things together. Sure. I, they're both big moments, guys. So I think the in-between, filling that space, the commas in the sentence, yeah. neither of them were super prepared for. Because when I think of that match now, all I can think of are the AAs and then the final spear. And when you think of their movesets overall... Both guys really only have, like, four or five tricks in their arsenal. Which is fine, really. Yeah. I, I don't have a problem with that. I always think, like, Stone Cold had two moves. He's yeah, one but, of my favorites ever. But, you know, you need somebody who can really thread things together. For sure. To get from moment to moment. Because, you know, obviously Undertaker was not that for Roman at WrestleMania. No. And that's no slight on him at his age. But that match was extremely disappointing because it was just Superman punch and spear, Superman punch and spear again and again and, and again. And failed Tombstone And, attempts. like, my former roommate, Graham, 
doesn't really have a huge appreciation for John Cena, even in the matches where I think Cena has been excellent, like a match that we all agree is one of the best of this era, the uh, Rumble triple threat with Brock and Seth. Or even the AJ Styles SummerSlam. Absolutely. You know, and Graham's complaint is like, whatever, it's just... It's just the AA. Like, he has one move, and he's going to hit a guy with it a bunch. And, like, (laughs) I think that can be a fair criticism of this match. Yeah, I mean, in kayfabe, there can't be a weaker finisher than the AA now, right? Considering that he hit it, like, four times. He hit it twice in a row, a super one, and a single. Yeah. So, yeah, four total times. But one of them was a a double, where he does the roll through. And technically, it is not just one spear that sunk John Cena. He did take that one through the table outside, which was a horrific bump for Roman Reigns. For Roman. Yeah, it lands right on his dome. Every time they replayed that, it looked worse and worse and worse. And it was quite frightening, actually. Yeah. Uh, but that's kind of the standout moment of that match overall. And and maybe just the way, like, I think the best part of that match and maybe the best part of this show as a whole is, like, that Cena got to have one last match where and maybe this isn't the last time that this will happen because as he gets on and, and Cena matches become more rare things that we don't get to yeah, see so often. Like an Undertaker Then I role. think then you do start to see the, the way the crowd reacted to him on Sunday as more of a regular thing where he gets to be the star babyface again For and not sure. have to deal with like this 50-50 crowd split. And I think he, he probably – I think he's damn near that already, certainly in this Roman feud. But I, I think that uh, you're right. It is going to be the bigger deals now. And you could tell that it was special for him to get that reaction definitely. as well. And he was definitely uh, reveling in that. Let's jump all over the card a little bit here and uh, touch on uh, Bray and Balor a little bit because I think this is a match we both thought over-delivered a yeah, little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's the best one-on-one match in this entire show, which isn't saying a lot mm-hmm. because – uh, you know, yeah, it, it might be there. There aren't a ton of them no. on the whole. Uh, it's not going to be worse than uh, what was it? The Drifter and Apollo Cruz. Wow. Hang on. Hang on. That's a boy of Titus <laughs> worldwide. You, Titus, I'm sorry. I apologize on Justin's behalf. I'm out of line, Titus. I apologize. He took acid, but definitely a better match than either of the co-main events. Yeah, I don't think I could disagree with that, or at least if one of them is better, it's not by a large margin. Yeah. Uh, and, and these are two guys who, in ring, I haven't had the highest opinion of lately, so I think my expectations were set. We tweeted about it. I think we both really liked Balor's new gear, too, which I yeah. think is worth bringing up. I mean, he kind of went back to the old stuff on Monday, but it is nice to see him breaking away from just flat, standard black trunks because... If anything, there's nothing distinct about that. And not to go too far down this rabbit hole, but I think guys having pay-per-view gear is a great idea. I loved when Rollins used to show up in the white and gold stuff for the pay-per-views when he was champ. I think it's cool. It feels like another little added game. Now that they don't do the stages for pay-per-views, no pyro, doing like specific gear makes it feel a little different, a little special. New Day seems to do that a lot, too. They just do, but they do that on SmackDown, too. They just have tons of new gear. That's true. Uh, Justin, also on the card, why? I mean, I think when you said the best singles match was Bray and Balor, it was because you knew I'd fire back with saying that Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose put on another Cracker Jack with Sheamus and Cesaro. Absolutely. That is, to me, the best match on the card. Gotta be. I think a lot of people might argue in favor of the women's five-way as well, which, if we're talking about matches that over-delivered, that certainly is one of them Definitely. as well. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But, uh, yeah, I was super into this tag match, and not just because... It became actually frightening oh. once Sheamus, uh, oh. or Cesaro rather, we thought his teeth had been knocked right out. Which but would suck. Yeah, that's bad yeah. enough as is. No, they were pushed oh my in. God. Pushed Foley in style. to his gum line. And like, 
I cannot imagine anything more agonizing. And to continue the match, and that happened pretty early in the match. Yeah, he still had a, a good a 10 good minutes number, to go. Like 12, maybe to 15 oh. minutes left. Oh. And and a lot of like big bump power spots for him oh, yeah. to del- both take and deliver going forward from that as well. Uh, I read that once he got backstage at the end of that match, the entire locker room gave him a standing ovation. Deserved. And deservedly so, (laughs) not just for powering through that, but for giving probably a performance uh, overall, like every guy in that match, that continues to exceed our expectations of what a tag feud like this should be. And I know we say the same thing about the Usos and the New Day on SmackDown, but when you get a combination of four guys who work extremely well together, common knowledge is by the time we get to month three on a feud like this, it should be fizzling. These are both the tag title yep. feuds on both shows right now. They could go for the rest of the year. They could go you know, to the Rumble, and I would see no problem with either uh, of them. Uh, Justin, while I do think that the New Day Usos is the stronger feud of the two, I still fully agree with you. These guys are showing you how to do long-term, still have the tricks up their sleeve. I'm loving it. And completely different styles, though, because, you know... As much as we enjoy uh, some of the aerial stuff that we're seeing from New Day Usos, the reason why I'm enjoying this Raw feud so much is because uh, as much as Seth can do anything, yeah. uh, it's definitely playing more into Sheamus and uh, and Dean's Dean. yeah. like brawler style. Who would have and guessed that those two have been the highlights of that, that foursome? It's delivering so strange. Huge. It's insane. Justin, uh, we'll talk about Neville and Enzo in the Neville round. So let's just finish out here on the women's five-way. Alexa Bliss, Nia Jax, Bailey, Sasha Banks, and Emma had, uh, yeah, a pretty strong match, I thought. Uh, definitely Nia's best performance. Better than the Mania four-way? I think so. Because she got to play, I mean, a very similar position in that they gang up on her to take her out of the match. But, uh, you know, I thought she got to deliver some big moments here and really show that this lady actually probably is the star that they hype her up to be. I I still think we still like I feel like we have this like pull away in that, you know, it's this Roman Reigns thing where if you weren't the Rock's cousin, would you be here? Right yeah, I guess that's funny actually. I hadn't put that together. They're both just related. I I thought do you remember that gauntlet match a couple match or a couple months ago where Sasha came out on top? That's right, but Nia got to get in a bunch of her finishers. Yeah. Uh, since then forward, I feel like Nia's done a, a little bit of a turn in my mind. I thought Enzo or Enzo, Emma also uh, over-delivered in the match. Thought she was good. Was there any standouts for you? Um, Just, you know, it's nice to see that someone who might not be justified in their push finally deliver on what the future might actually hold for them, and that's nice. I thought Emma was great, too, though. <laughs> and that's 15 minutes. And <sighs> we'll... well, hang on, Justin. You're trying to skirt this, this aside because I know you get nervous at this part now. Oh, yeah. Ladies Judgment and gentlemen, starting day. last week, uh, I've started going back and listening to our shows and uh, I'm picking a winner of each show between Justin and I. Uh, yeah. Justin, you understand. We have three rounds. Because, of course, when 15 minutes comes to an end, if there's no winner, it's declared a tie. Exactly. And to this point, up until last week, we had seen 39 ties in a row. And that's – I didn't want to be a cop. I didn't want to cop out. Yeah. You know, I wanted to give the people – listen, and, and, and if I take a loss, I take a loss here or there. But, exactly. But you can't go off the air on a pay-per-view with a schmoz finish. Exactly right, Even Justin. though they do that like half the time. And it's given the people <laughs> something to listen to next week. They want to know – they know it was me in their yeah. hearts, but yeah. they want to have it confirmed on the oh, show yeah. the next week. Every, every good wrestling show needs some note of suspense to carry you through – to get you excited to come back again. And this is ours. So to recap last week's show, we talked about, well, we did a No Mercy preview. And uh, Justin, 
Your uh, your picks were better than mine. You took that round uh, pretty handedly. It seemed like a rather predictable show overall. We also talked about uh, Jinder Mahal's racist promo. I barely spoke, and uh, so I have to also award you that round. Oh. You up two zero. So- However, <laughs> Justin. Yes. I beat you so badly in the WCW naming round that I'm awarding myself two points, creating last week's show as a draw. Oh. <laughs> Well, it seems like we've really defeated the purpose. Honestly, I might make the argument that not speaking in the racism round might actually be a win. I thought about this too. No, Justin, unfortunately, I'm not a man who's about the schmoz. You took me down two to one again this week. But I'm letting the people out there know, next week I'm going to bring the fire. I'm going to give myself the marks, and I'm sweeping them 3-0. I'm here today to give you a run for your money. Yeah, you're going to get off the schneid this week. But but you are up 2-0. I thought you were putting in your good performance. You know, I'm on a hot streak. What can I say? What can you say? I'm feeling pretty good right now, but still, it's only two. I'm know? feeling like Kurt Hawkins over here. We got a long run ahead of us. It's a long season. You take it week to week. <laughs> I don't want to get too high. I don't want to get too low. And that's advice for you, too. Don't. Thank it's you. only You're only down two right now. <laughs> Thank you. It's only two losses in a row. <laughs> Patronizing you're only You're only on a bit of a losing streak. Yeah. It's not a slide yet. Yeah, no. Maybe panic when we get there. Wow. Well, if we get there. No, we're not getting there. But bud. in the meantime, feel good about yourself. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. I feel good. Stay even keeled. I'm Take little, it week to week. It's only, I'm only a little rock to my core. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to stay humble. And with that... <laughs> Let's get on to round, round number two. two. Round two. Fight. Justin, you you know that I love the top guys. I love the revival. You sure do. But you know what else I love? Uh, <laughs> uh, Revivals in general. The Good Brothers? No. No? You're not a big fan of them? I do like when uh, the big one says nerds. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. But I mean... Luke Gallows must be the coolest guy ever because he's a guy with three characters and no one's into. But anyway. I, I love him. I think he's great. <laughs> okay, he's one good. of my guys. That's good. Yeah. That's good. So he has fans out there. But no, Justin, I like revivals in general. And I really feel like NXT is undergoing one right okay. now. I feel like uh, – I don't know if this is me and maybe you can uh, help me sort this out. But I really feel like tonight I'm looking forward to watch NXT. Last week I was looking forward to watching NXT. And I've really felt that way since the last TakeOver. Are you feeling anything similar? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Um, uh, I'm also feeling the same way about 205 Live. Sure. So I think the network programming in general is really uh, f- undergoing something of a revolution at the moment. Yeah, you could say that. Uh, because, you know, I am excited for NXT. And I, I, I don't want to seem like a hypocrite because when we did our little oh. state of the broadcast a couple weeks ago and yeah. talked about, uh, you know, where different shows are at commentary-wise. Yeah. Uh, I I talked about it being a waste of Mauro Ranallo right. to have him be in NXT because clearly th- this man is a huge deal. He just called one of the biggest fights of all time, and you're putting him on a show that only paid subscribers get to see that is not on network television even at all. Correct. Um, at the same time, it is part of what makes NXT feel oh, special. There's no question. It, it's funny, Justin, because obviously I don't have the broadcasting base you do. I, I couldn't have the ear that you do to know what's great and bad. But I can tell you that when well, I'm I watching... I don't think that's true. You know, it, even having gone to school for it, I don't think that gives me any sort of expertise. Okay. Like, I, I think people know what they like. Sure. And that doesn't really change. Some of the coaches didn't play the game. Exactly. Right? But I will say that, man, when I'm watching NXT, there are moments where I go... 
Oh, Morrow is the best. And I also, I was watching the Bellator MMA card this Saturday, which he was commentating. And I forget how much I miss him calling MMA. He just, he's a guy who can do it all. And he, you're so right. He brings a lot to NXT and what I look forward to. You know, one of the things that I think Morrow is great at, I always think about when I was up north doing hockey play-by-play, uh, the coaching staff would occasionally get mad at me, get hot with me for thinking that I was some kind of hockey expert. Right. Because, you know, they'd ask me like simple drill things where if you're standing along the wall and the puck is coming X direction, which direction should your skates be pointed? Oh. And I can't answer that. But neither can I. But then my response was always, that is a coaching question. That yeah. is your expertise. Right. I am not a hockey expert. I am a drama expert. Ooh. I am here for theater purposes. I love this. To make you sound as exciting as possible. Fuck, you already won this round. And that's what Morrow does. Yeah. There, like, wow. there's no yeah. denying. Great point. Yeah, no. But, but also, he has the knowledge on the other side as well. He, nobody knows the moveset better. Like, you know, you and I have talked recently about trying to get into wrestling play-by-play. I think... Yeah, and one of I the, think that's going to happen. And one of the questions that always gets asked of us is, well, how much is your move knowledge? Yeah, how much you know the move? If someone could just does a move in front of you, can you name it? Yeah. And, like, I want to say that I'd probably be pretty good at that, but Moro is excellent. He's the best alive. Yes. He's When when you hear Michael Cole call things, it's a modified Michinoku driver, it's a it's a modified blue thunderbomb, Moro never needs any of those crutches. It's a back top kick. Yeah, oh, he really slammed him. You never hear any of that from yeah. Moro. It's always the move's name. It always sounds important, and he is a big part and of it. And he knows team. all of like the Mexican names and yeah. the Japanese names. Calling judo throws by their actual Japanese names, Uchigamadas, whatever. He's yeah. calling it, and I assume that's from his MMA background as well. Just and you know who else I think is adding a lot to NXT? Who? The roster. Yes. I'm gonna name. Uh, I'm gonna name a couple guys on the roster, and I just want the the first phrase or word that comes to your mind about them. Okay. Okay. Cien okay. Almas. Um, underrated. Velveteen Dream. <laughs> I want to say underrated again. But, I think that's fair for but, both of them. But uh, uh, agile. Ooh, I like that. Alistair Black. Cool. Hideo Itami. The best. Cassius Ono. Basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Drew Galloway. Uh, bigger than you think. Justin, these are all things that you're answering in the pretty much affirmative. And these are all guys at the top of the the, the picture right now in NXT. And I think that gives it a lot of legs. Basketball, very affirmative. Well, listen, if you uh, if you can uh, shoot do, the hey, hoops. I like basketball. Hey, he likes, he likes yeah, basketball. It's a positive thing for me. He likes Um No, and I think this is part of what is making NXT feel as hot and cool as it does right now. A, it probably has, like, the best intro and music package of any of the three yeah. main shows. We both remarked on this last week. Uh, it's very true. Yeah. I don't know why they can't put a branding package like that together for literally anything else. Because SmackDown sucks. Yeah. Uh, and Raw, not great either over there. Do you remember the, tonight is the night, yeah. fast cars. <laughs> well, I'm glad we're past that. Yeah, come but on, everybody, get down. Outside tonight of that... You know, part of the reason that NXT has been in a slide maybe since I like to think the golden age is Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Okay. Um, Can I pause you here, Justin? Absolutely. When you talk about that being the golden age, and I do agree with you, I think the Neville to Zayn to Owens is the, the best NXT's ever been. But if you go back and watch these, a lot of that is just the title picture. Yes. You're waiting for the title picture portion. Yes. And I don't think that's the case with NXT right now. Well, because the title picture on NXT for the last probably year and a half to even two years or longer, like since 
Owens has been out of the equation feels too predictable. So predictable. It's the most boring part of the show. Yeah. Because you can see the succession plan of champions and when guys are going to get called up. Like, it, that title is like the number one thing where this feels like a feeder system. Correct. They drop it, then they get called up. And then this guy's going to have it for however long. I already know who he's going to lose it to, and then he's going to get called up, and then that guy will get called up in a year once he loses. Like, there is a clear succession plan in place, and there has been for quite a while, in a way that feels often very predictable. Yeah, and there's no question. Ever since Owens dropped it, the whole Joe to Balor to Nakamura to Rude, like you say, it's just like, oh, this is what's happening. And there was good good content. But any of these guys could challenge for yeah. the title that and, I listed. And right now, the fact that Drew McIntyre is champion was a surprise victory to me in some ways. Like, at the same time, did, did Bob- I call him Galloway? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Sorry. It's fine. Uh, like, did Bobby Rude's t- was his time coming to an end? Yes, sure. And but he could have stayed for another little while. Like there was no rush to get Bobby Roode out of there. I agree. And the fact that there were so many guys who could have challenged him and can now challenge McIntyre, where like I have no idea who the next NXT champion is going to be. I understand that the feud right now is Adam Cole. Like I know that that's what's going on, but l- literally any of the guys we just mentioned could get the belt next. Yeah. And like Cole doesn't necessarily need it next. Well, I actually left Adam Cole out of that list I gave you because I think that him and Red Drag or um, I forget what they're called now. It's, it's, it's a terrible name. The yeah, Undisputed the, Era. The Undisputed Era. Yeesh. Yeah. Yeesh, that name sucks. But I think those three are operating as, uh, you know, I think you're going to see the Sanity feud first and Cole will probably go for the title Maybe not next. No, I, st- I feel like that's it's two separate feuds that are yeah. kind of combined. Red Dragon for the Sanity and then Cole against McIntyre. Yeah, that they're both challenging for the belts on their first pay-per-view. Yeah, I think that could definitely be a way that you see things going. I, I'm actually finding myself, and I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself a big fan of his, but I, I've been liking Galloway on these last couple shows. When he came out last week shirtless at the top of the ramp, just swole, I, I thought that was a tremendous moment. He looked like an ass kicker who belonged at the top of that card. And we talked about it when we saw uh, the NXT house show that was here back in the summertime. Right. time. Yeah, right, right, He's right. so much larger than you think just looking at him on television. And uh, yeah. And and it was one of the first times watching NXT on Wednesday where that size and sense of like imposingness, presence. if that's a word, presence, that's a better word, <laughs> actually came across on TV for me. I thought he looked like a killer coming out. There. I thought that was his best moment in NXT so far. It was literally just coming out onto the ramp shirtless looking like he was here to kick ass. Uh, also on last week's show we had the I guess the start of a feud between the Velveteen Dream and Aleister Black, which was a match that we had seen at the house show. And we talked about that being the match of the night at the house I show. I think that pretty we went handedly, to. yeah. And that was several months ago now, so I'd imagine that they've probably been doing that on house shows all summer long. Justin, uh, what did you think of their promo segment between Velveteen Dream and uh, Aleister Black? You know, I, I, I was excited when it started. Yeah, yeah. Because, oh shit, we're finally getting some mic time from Aleister Black, the guy who I said might be the best wrestler in the world, and you said, well, he can't talk, so that <laughs> disqualifies him right away. I was like, well, we'll find out, because we've never seen him talk before. And let's, let's see how he does. Yeah. And... It wasn't as bad as we feared no, he, for it's a funny guy who doesn't speak English as his first language. I think it's funny because I think you were hoping he'd be better, and I thought he'd be worse. So I was a little bit impressed. Yeah. I thought he was... Uh, it seemed like he picked the wrong words a few times. A couple times. And it was it was slow, and it was sort of plotting, but, but I he was better than 
some interna- other international wrestlers, which is maybe the bar that I was thinking in my mind he'd be. I thought this segment was weird. I didn't dislike it as much as you, I don't think. Velveteen Dream is strange because he seems to have such a grasp on his character. The look is there. The an movements an are so there. enormous amount of charisma on the microphone. So much. In his backstage segments when he's uh-huh. just dealing with an interviewer. I think this, we were talking earlier, this is probably his first live mic in front of a crowd situation I'm possibly almost ever. Certain it is. I'm almost certain it is. And I don't think he handled it that well. No, I think the moment kind of got, of him, got to him. I'm not ready to write him off yet. I think there's so much upside to Velveteen Dream. And I really thought for my Myself, anyway, they saved the segment at the end when he did the sort of that slither in front of Alistair while Alistair sat there cross-legged. It, if you can't talk all that well, find ways around it. And I thought both those guys using their signature physicality And they both have an enormous amount of, like, physical charisma. No question. Yeah, I, I think that's especially true of Alistair. But, yeah, no question. And I really thought when I, when I came away from that segment, while it was going on, I thought, eh, I wish they were both doing better here. But I was left, okay. I'm fucking stoked for this feud. And ultimately, I think that makes it a successful set segment. I think so, too. Um, I, I think another thing that, that is really helping the show along right now is, like, as much as she's great and she's going to do great on Raw, I think removing Asuka from this women's division right now probably helps the show overall, too. It's letting it breathe a bit, you think? Yeah, because yeah. these girls who had to be sacrificed to keep Asuka on top finally get their moment and beyond that we're seeing an injection of talent from the may young classic that's right as well uh which i have really enjoyed seeing because this is a deeper women's roster than maybe we've ever seen on nxt before i don't see how you could argue against that because there's just literally so much new talent what about when the four horsemen were four horse women were there um i, I think they're comparable how's that i i the, the high-end talent probably comp- Comparable, maybe higher back then, but just the depth of it, sure, the yeah. pure number of talented ladies that they have at their disposal right now is unparalleled. I think there's definitely uh, um, a case for that. Uh, Justin, do you think that this uh, Fish and O'Reilly tag team are going to take the belts off of Sanity? Uh, possibly, because I could see Sanity getting called up pretty soon. But speaking of call-ups, where even are the Authors of Pain? It's uh, weird. It does seem kind of weird. I think they have to be reinserted at some point, unless they are the ones who are shown to be attacking the fashion police. It does seem weird to me that they would drop the belts and no rematch. And then just vanish. Just, it doesn't seem Not likely. even a mention of them. But I don't mind this. On a one-hour show, it's okay to miss people. I talk about this all the time. It's all right to miss people. Let the authors of pain go away for a little bit. Sanity and uh, Fish and O'Reilly get theirs out of the way. And let AOP get the winner. Or make it a triple threat. I mean, I, I don't mind things like that. If you're excited waiting for people to come back. Yeah. Uh, and and furthermore, I really love the idea of uh, Fish and uh, O'Reilly getting those belts. Cole gets the main belt. Everybody goes up and the, feud, the Shield reunites. It all comes back to the Shield reuniting. Uh, yeah, I could get on board with that. I just want to make one more note on the women's division. Please. One of my highlights of NXT last week was a backstage promo in between matches of Dakota Kai from oh, the yeah, May yeah, Young yeah. Classic that was good. giving a promo about how she's fired up to go after this women's title and she really wants to win it. And I, you were out of the room when this happened when we were watching together, okay. and I kind of relayed it to you. Like, she had great fire. Yeah. It was awesome. She really wants this belt. And you were like, well, I'm glad she wants the belt. I thought she wouldn't <laughs> want it otherwise. But, but the thing, I do hate those But, but, but the thing is... She had the kind of fire, like, to me, she seems like a second chance at Bailey, basically. Because okay. she has this 
kid cute appeal, yeah. sort of. Careful. But also, uh, like, she has the edge that is missing. You're not going to sure. see her. Like, even just from that promo, she had the kind of fire where I'm never going to see her not be able to swing a kendo stick. And I'm going to stick with the Bailey comparison here just to explain why I hate those promos. If I believe them and they have the fire, that's completely fine. It's when Bailey's like, this belt means everything to me. This belt is my life that I'm like, all you can think about is how much you like the belt. That's what you can think of. <laughs> Everyone is going for that belt. Yeah. It's like the silliest claim for why a feud would be. I, I don't like it much at all. Justin, the future of NXT looks extremely bright to me. I'm stoked to watch after we finish recording. I'm into almost everything that's going on, and I want to see Cassius Owner hit some more dudes with elbows. I want to see Cassius Owner get a push into the main event scene because he seems he's like right on the outside, but I think the fact that we can spend an entire minute talking about Dakota Kai just after she had a 30-second backstage promo means that NXT is a pretty hot product at the moment that can't do a whole heck of a lot of wrong. I'm 100% with you. And with that, we will move on not to round number three, no, but sir. to the people's segment. It's the people's segment, Justin. They love it each and every week. Oh, they can't get enough. It is, of course, Sunday Night Tweet. Who's going to explain the rules this week, Justin? I'll do it. Why do not? Do it, Justin. Each Tell them how it week. works. Josh Custodio scours the internet for the best tweets. Well, sometimes they're the best, no, sometimes they're the worst. They're the worst. The yeah. most notable tweets, anyways, <laughs> from uh, a member, an active member of the WWE roster. They could be on NXT. There's a lot of people it could be. Could be up to 120 people, really, could be. at any given time. They all send out tweets. Josh Custodio reads them all. He picks five and makes me guess who wrote them. Yeah, I mean, Justin, usually you overperform at this. I always think you're going to get zero I've right. been slumping lately. I thought, no, two weeks ago you did good, didn't you? I feel like I've had two bad weeks in a row. You know, I had two people tweet us on the account this week telling me that they play along with you. Yeah? So I read out the tweet and then they guess. That's okay. something I didn't expect here. Okay. So. No, that's, that's I think, the objective of a segment like this. Yeah, I like to, to usually... have it be a participatory thing for the folks at home. See, my hope is to alienate them. Oh, okay. So, answer quick this week so they can't play along. Maybe I'll just read the tweet to give the answer. Sure. Anyway, Justin, let's start it off with tweet number one here. Seems like a heck of a place to start. This is uh, one of those quote tweets that the kids love, okay? Okay. So the tweeter in question quote tweets Randy Orton, who is bragging about beating the tweeter in question at Mario Kart for the Switch. Okay. Okay, so the tweeter in question is bragging about how they beat up, or sorry, rather the... the Randy Orton is bragging. Randy Orton is bragging about how badly they beat the tweeter in question at Mario Kart on the Switch, and the tweeter in question says, I played with a Joy-Con, not the full controller. He has all the upgrades for his carts. I just got the game. My thumb hurts, and I'm sleepy. Um, because he has employed video game excuses like this <laughs> in the past, and because I know he plays video games with Randy Orton, I am going to guess AJ Styles. It is! Is the phenomenal one, AJ Styles, getting petty, making excuses. Because the excuse that he made before that, Orton posted a power rankings of, yeah. like, the finish number, one to four, of, like, who finished in the race. And then he, like, tweeted transcribing who all of their abbreviated, like, names are. So, like, such and such is this person. <laughs> AKG is, like... Me and ah. and P O P is AJ Styles and AJ quoted that tweet and was like P 
P.O.P. ain't me. <laughs> you, you've been uh, playing with an imposter, uh, AJ Styles. I'm not that bad. It's so weird to me that these guys play Mario Kart, of all things. Yeah. Or that they all have the Switch. I guess it's a portable console, that's, and they're constantly on the go, so that makes a lot of sense, That's probably actually. the upside. Justin, let's get on here to uh, the second tweet. Uh, this one's a little tricky, so I'm just going to read it verbatim, okay? Sure. Nothing unusual about that No, just, just reading it verbatim. That's yes. all I'm doing here. And it's the second tweet, tweet. number two. That's correct. Red Eye Flight Haim. Greetin' Weens in front of me. Greetin' Weens behind me. Big fan of Haim, the sister trio from Silver Lake, California. Uh, it could only be... <laughs> is, is he? Uh, well... It's taking a red eye flight to them <laughs> to see their show, I'm assuming. I don't they Am I, I misinterpreting? He just spells home weird. Oh, okay. Then it must be the Scottish Supernova Noam Dar. It is the Scottish Supernova Noam Dar. His words ring through the ages. I'm doing really well this week. You are almost at hundred percent this week. I am at hundred percent in fact. I took a percent away because I'm feeling a little a little like I didn't I'm like, like the I'm little arrogant. Later. Yeah, you're getting a little oh, cocky. Okay, okay. So almost hundred percent this uh, week. Ninety eight. That's right. Justin, are you ready for, uh, I think this is the third tweet. Sure. The way my apartment complex is looking right now after Irma is what I envision a post-apocalypse landscape is like. I'll be Tom Hardy. The way my ap- apartment complex is looking after Irma. So, so it looks like a somebody, post-apocalyptic yeah, yeah. world. Some, but somebody who lives in Florida and doesn't have a house lives in an apartment complex who's who's the ba- who's pictures himself as a badass as a badass in the mold of Tom Hardy i'm yeah. going to pick a gentleman who there was video of him going outside of his uh home possibly complex okay uh uh and practicing like kung fu poses against the hurricane who is as this it was Sounds rolling dope. in and this is uh big e it is not Biggie, but th- what you were talking about sounds dope. Yeah, he, there was video of him like doing karate poses, <laughs> trying to scare away the hurricane. Which, if you're in Florida, is a much better chance of scaring away the hurricane than shooting bullets into yeah, it. Yeah, for sure don't shoot the hurricane. <laughs> uh, just as I said, it was not Biggie. It was Alistair Black. Oh, really? Who would make a pretty good Tom no, Absolutely. Hardy. Like, Mad Max doesn't speak that much. Like, yeah, no, he would be, if they had to recast Mad Max, if Tom Hardy was like, I'm, I'm too big for this now. That's Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Who would be better than Alistair Black? Too big for, like, the coolest action movie ever. I don't know if that is the thing that happens. I get your point, yeah, though. But uh, Alistair Black, I think, should be in the running for that for sure. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Justin, tweet number four is uh, just a, a hashtag. Okay. That's all this tweet is. Okay. And it just says, hashtag, brother me softly. Brother me softly. Brother me softly. Hmm. Just a hashtag. I am going to guess that this is Luke Gallows. That is probably would have been my guess, too. It is not Big Luke Gallows. Oh, yeah. He would have said broski me soft. Ah, that is the tell. It is not, but it is the modern-day Maharaja. Jinder Mahal. That's quite the R role. I'm very impressed with that. You know what my middle name is? Um, my middle name has a rolling R in it. Oh, does it? Yeah, yeah. You want to say it? Sure. La Regera. Oh, wow. 
I, I've seen your driver's license before, actually, so I knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's quite the name. Because you lent it to a friend of ours to be like their fake ID for the night. And it was <laughs> oh, like, hey, bud, this. you need to learn how to say my middle name. <laughs> oh, my God. I forgot about for that. they're for sure going to ask you. Oh, I had complete. What were we going? That was for Ballroom Brawl. We let Sean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. That's funny. Justin, our final tweet this week is, uh, I got to be honest, you're, you're never going to get this. Okay. You're never going to get it. Okay. The, the fifth tweet this week is another one of the quote tweets that the kids love. Oh, the kids absolutely love they it. They can't get enough. I, every time I see a kid, they're quote tweeting. They something. can't stop. They won't stop. <laughs> like Miley Cyrus out here. Here's, here's what the, the... Don't you know it's we who quote, quote tweet the knife? <laughs> <laughs> here's what the tweet being quoted says, Justin. Okay. Also been working my way through Y2J's web series, but I'm Chris Jericho on CBC Comedy. And Anne Kindler is super funny in it. The tweeter in question quotes this tweet and says, he's a genius. Now, is he saying that Andy Kindler is a genius or that the tweeter that he's quoting is a genius? See, I read it as the, this tweeter knowing that it, it works as both. I think it's he's giving Andy some credit, but being the guy that he is, he's also calling himself a genius. Okay. Uh, I think I know who this is. Go ahead. It's Chris Jericho, and the person that he's quoting is me. Justin, you got quote tweeted by Chris Jericho. <laughs> I did. <laughs> and Andy Kindler is legit super funny uh. in But I'm Chris Jericho, which the episodes are only like five minutes long. There's ten of them. You can plow through it really quickly. It is very funny. Uh, I, I recommend it. It's, it's a lot of fun. And uh, it was very nice to get some attention from Y2J. Justin, you're back on your hot streak, it looks like. I that am. was a good episode. I went three for five there. That's pretty good. I felt like it was a cheat because it was my own tweet at the end. <laughs> uh, did but you? Man, you know what? I'm going to take double points because not only did I name the tweeter, but the quote tweet Oh, as no. Well. You can't do this. No, I am. No, I am. I got four it. out of five there. No, I run this segment. Out of a possible I run this six. segment. It was three out of five. And speaking <laughs> of three, with that, let's move on <laughs> to round <laughs> number three. Round three, fight! <laughs> Justin, has, uh, has anyone ever forgotten you before? Um, I probably. Yeah, that sucks when that happens, eh? Yeah, I, I, I want to say there's probably a lot of people that I've met over the course of my life who uh, don't think about me at all. Well, I hate, I hate being forgotten myself. It happens to me constantly because I'm extremely forgettable. Mm -hmm. But uh, it happened to our pal Neville. Gravity forgot oh, him yeah. way back in the day. But it seems to have found him, grounded him, and made him a badass because goddamn Neville is doing great right now. Don't you agree? He sure is, man. He is something special at the moment. And we talked a couple weeks ago about 205 live being on a hot streak the episode that we described didn't even have him on it at all that's right which i think is a good sign that maybe he doesn't need to be there yeah but his presence adds a lot to that show no question like there's no question that he has completely as much as we've all and now he's doing it himself in a very heelish way saying that he's brought the spotlight to 205 live like in some ways enzo has enriched that show in a big way for sure i can't lie yeah but Neville has carried that entire division for nine months now. It's crazy. And that is a very significant amount of time, a very significant run with that title, even though he dropped it for a week to uh, Akira Tozawa. Titus Worldwide! Um, and just a great run of matches as well. Like, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Honestly, even the Enzo one wasn't bad. It had a lot of rest holds in it. Yeah. Uh, but, like... 
for a guy like Neville, we talked about this last week, the biggest challenge he's going to have is to get a match out of a guy like Enzo. Yeah, That's yeah, what yeah. you have to do when you are the workhorse of your territory. It's your job at the top, right? Absolutely. I'd like to pay a huge compliment to Neville here that the, when I think of the Cruiserweight division and its reinsertion into the WWE programming with 205 Live and after the Cruiserweight Classic, I can't even really remember pre-Neville's championship, when it was just going between Swan and TJP and Brian Kendrick, that seems like the division finding its legs. And that belt being on Neville feels to have been what has established the Cruiserweight division as we are here. We have a champion. This is our era. Since Neville has held that title, I have looked forward to basically every single Cruiserweight title match. Yeah. Because you know... Outside of the Enzo one where we were a little tentative and reluctant to see how this was going to go, that he's going to get a great match out of everyone. For sure. Because there's a lot of guys in that division that can go. Yeah, I know uh, our friend Matt thinks that him and Jack Gallagher is the best cruiserweight match that's happened in the division since it coming back. Um, I would suggest that Neville, specifically Neville, I had concerns that he was only going to be good as a heel. And Monday Night Raw this week completely... Turn that around for me. I thought Neville is a baby face there, not as a flipping around Mighty Mouse superhero face, and that was fine. That whole run with like Stephen Amell against Gold yeah. or Stardust, rather. There, there's something there, not, but not this, awful. But this head down, eyes up, ass kicker, who even though he knows it's going to cost him a shot at the title he wants back so much, despises Enzo so much he can't help but striking him. This is. A badass babyface, which is something WWE is not quick to embrace these days. And not good at booking. No, no, not at all. It's what Dean Ambrose should have been for ages. It's what made Stone Cold. Yeah. I mean, these are, and I'm not, this is not me saying Neville is Stone Cold, but I'm saying that there's a room, there's room in the Cruiserweight division for a badass, ass kicking babyface named Neville, and I'm all in on there it. There is something to him right now that feels, you know, dangerous. Like, oh, yeah. That, that he is an unhinged person. And I, I really enjoyed when he did lose the title for that one week that he did to Tozawa. Mm-hmm. When he came out uh, on 205 Live, having lost the belt the night before, he looked like he did not sleep a wink all yeah. night because he was so distraught having been kicked off of his throne that, like, he, there was, you know, this. I'm not the only person to have made this analogy. I'm probably stealing it from, like, John Pollock and Wei Ting. Fuck but, but, like, he looked like the girl from the ring crawling out of the TV. There was something genuinely yeah. frightening about his appearance. For sure. And how uh, unhinged and, and uh, obsessed he had become. And if you can channel that same energy as a babyface, I think there is a lot to that, that that has a lot of legs and maybe has legs even outside of the cruiserweight division. Yeah. Uh, um, because, you know, I've really enjoyed this heel character and I, again, it feels like one of those things where if they're going to turn him face, you're probably losing something great, but he's still playing the same character. Sure. It's just being focused in a different direction. Absolutely. The the guy who had the, the purple cape and held up the two hands on the turnbuckle and did the spot where he The Mighty Mouse guy. The Mighty Mouse. That that guy seems dead and gone to me. And this is where I can't think of too many guys who have done this, but he actually reminds me of Mick Foley, where original babyface, no, not when he first debuted, but the original babyface mankind and comedy white shirt, black tie mankind, they're both babyfaces. They're both the same guy playing them. 
totally different characters. There's not a lot of people who can do that, and I think that you you just have to give loads of credit to Neville here because I don't hate the Mighty Mouse character as you put it, but I'm way more into this one, and they're the same alignment, and it's cool that he can do both. And honestly, even when he came into the division in the first place playing a heel, there was a lot of question marks about whether he was going to be able to do that. Sure. Because a guy whose physique is incredible a guy whose ability in the ring is like you know unquestionable but maybe his ability to play characters and to do the acting side of this was untested or at least unproven and at this point now that he's been the guy in this division for the better part of this year i don't think like you look at him and think this guy can do anything yeah, there's yeah. there is nothing that he cannot do uh, in terms of like what is expected to provide entertainment value from a wrestler to a wrestling show, and that is of kind of a surprising place for him to be right now. It also it makes me examine my opinions in general. I think you and I and anyone with a Twitter or a podcast were very reactionary because if you remember when Neville first came up, he was okay in NXT on the mic, all right in that Sami mm-hmm. Zayn feud. But when he first came up, he was really struggling on the mic. He he was and I was like, oh, what are we gonna do with Neville? This guy sucks. I'm like, sure, he can do a bunch of flips. But with but again, a little trying growth, to play that white meat baby face where there's not a lot of character to latch on to, even as a performer, never mind the audience. But I think I need to remember for myself, I'm talking here, that just because a guy sucks now doesn't mean he's going to suck in the future. In fact, he may be a part of a show that you very much look forward to because he figures out what the character is or he's allowed to do that character and his wings spread. And I think that's important to remember. Yeah. What I'm saying is Mojo Rawley is going to be main eventing something in a couple of years. I just think that we often get stuck in our opinions on people. That's right. That, like, it's easy to pigeonhole a guy as what you see in him a, a year and a half ago. That's right. And and hold that image in his in your mind forever. Correct. Uh, and, and Neville is definitely a guy where, yeah, absolutely, we have watched him grow in an enormous way. And, and it's almost, it takes the turn back to babyface to really get you to appreciate That's right. yes, what yes, he's yes. done. Uh, Justin, I, uh, I'm going to ask you a question here that a customer of mine brought up this week. Okay. And I thought it was interesting. He, he said, Do, if you rank everybody on the WWE roster in each category, so in-ring, uh, character, promos, presence, charisma, all these sort of things, is Neville the guy who has the highest average score out of everyone on the roster? Is he the, you know, the most well-rounded guy that exists on the WWE roster. And my instinct was no, but he made a great case that he's a great heel, he's a great face, in-ring he can't be questioned, and his promos are dynamite now. Yeah. I mean, you know I love Seth Rollins, so Seth is probably going to place high cool. on that list for me as well. AJ but, for myself. But, and AJ, again, is a guy who can do both heel and babyface and promo very well. I think I, th- I think what they're doing right now with Neville is is like learning from the mistake of, of Seth as well in that, like, Seth did not get to become a, a face, really, properly until recently. Yeah. He, 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 he was supposed to be a baby face, but his grievances were that he had been slighted in favor of <laughs> Kevin Owens, which is not a babyface motivation. Now, that's still keeping the character intact, which is kind of what we do like about Neville, but it's not letting him have edge, which is kind of the problem with his heel run in general, is that he didn't get to be gritty and cool this right. guy who has all these cool spots so uh i don't want to say that they looked at the mistakes of of seth's whole but thing they may have and maybe they did because this feels like you know a, a, a similar position where 
you're changing a guy's dynamic and his alignment, and you could fuck it up, but they're not. And it, and it, and as a result of that, yeah, I probably do put Neville really high up on. He that has list. to be in that conversation, right? What if I said top three? Do you think he's he slots in there? Yeah, and honestly, you know that I hold this con- uh, this position, and it's a bit controversial among our friend group. Here we go. But I think Hideo Itami is the guy that should slot up pretty high there as well. Right. Maybe doesn't have the overall promo ability, but can very effectively play both heel and babyface, and is an excellent ring worker. I think that guy has a monstrous amount of potential. But yeah, I think like you know, I you put it out on the Top Marks Twitter feed earlier this week. Neville is you know very good at professional wrestling. Yeah, he I said he might be the best, and nobody really argued with me. No, I think it just got likes and people saying, oh yeah, he he could be. He's not there for me, but if you took a skill sets, Neville is way high up there, and it's 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 tremendously impressive. Now, 205 Live right now is in a really good place. We talked about it a couple weeks ago, and we both watched it last night. There are four feuds on this show that all feel really hot, and that is not something that you could typically say about this show ever. Can we start with the Gallagher-Kendrick promo? I don't really want to talk about the other three feuds overall. Okay, I'm just going to say, very good. Okay, Gallagher and Kendrick, their backstage promo last night, it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, and that is one of the feuds, the two of them against Cedric. The other are the others are Tazawa versus Drew Gulak. Yep. And TJ Perkins versus Rich Swan. And of are course, them. we are continuing with our headline feud of Enzo versus Neville. Does this feel like a mistake though? Because Monday night certainly <sighs> felt like Neville was graduating out of the cruiserweight division. He had sacrificed himself on behalf of the roster, gave up his title shot to really put this heel uh, in his place. And, and and they did a double turn, basically. Yeah, they did. And it felt like, I know you thought it was a bit of a messy segment because if Enzo is going to be a heel, why is he being left beat down, my answer was because they're graduating Neville out of the division, and Tuesday on 205 Live, we obviously learned that that is not the case. Now, I do think that this feud still has legs, that you can get another match out of it, but... I also think Neville has nothing left to prove at this point, and he really doesn't need to have a second match with Enzo. I hate to respond in a lukewarm way, but I, I also, it felt to me, like especially with the not being able to challenge for the title, Neville would be being called up. But I'll be honest, Justin, both rosters are stacked right now, and there are guys not getting TV time who I think are tremendous. So if they aren't going to put Neville into some way upper card thing on the main roster then I say let him continue to be... Forget about Enzo holding the belt. The star of the show's Neville. Let him be still on that show. How long... 205 Live being a stacked one-hour show is not a bad thing. I do want Neville to go up eventually, but if for the interim they're going to keep him down there and keep him doing interesting things and putting on great matches, I I find it hard to complain about that. I think that just to latch on to something that you said there, even though I don't disagree with your overall point... Uh, you, you talked about him uh, being treated as a main roster member and getting to have matches against heavyweights yeah. as a call-up. And to me, I think as much as he has proven, as, as much as he has done in the cruiserweight division over the last nine months, that maybe his work isn't done until it doesn't feel like a demotion to go to the cruiserweight ah, division. I like Because that. there are some smaller guys in NXT right now, Hideo Itami, a guy that I just mentioned, that the sky being the limit for, yep. in my opinion, that maybe, you know, if you get called up, that suddenly being stuck in, as a cruiserweight is not a bad thing. What about Aleister Black? 
I mean, he gets billed as 205 pounds, which is crazy because he seems enormous compared to a lot so of the slender, guys. So slender, though. Yeah, but he, I, he I don't ain't know. thicker than a Snickers. That's kind of a. But yeah, I would love for those guys to be able to be called up to a home where it didn't felt like, oh no. But at the same time, if if you're gonna call up Alistair Black and he's gonna be put in this Apollo Cruz position of we don't have really anything for you, keep him there. We just called you up because you're done in NXT, then maybe suddenly the Cruiserweight division is this land of opportunity. Maybe, yeah. Is this great place where guys like Atami, guys like, uh, you know... Black. Black, and and these smaller guys... Leo Rush is coming in. Maybe even, eventually, like... Finn Balor can have a run in the cruiserweight sure. division because he's probably a guy that could weigh in at under two hundred five. I think he probably yeah. But like he just gets treated separately, and in a way that even like, Sincaro and Kalisto. Yeah, exactly. It's very strange, uh, and I think Neville could be the guy to establish that as listen. This is a kingdom. This is no demotion. This is a a great place to be, and you can become a star here. Yeah, uh, and I think he could be the guy for because he's clearly demonstrated that it's possible. Yeah, and. I think, like, for this show to be a success and to continue and to draw more eyeballs to it on the network, there can't just be one star. And like we, like we said, there are four hot feuds right now, and the craziest thing to me is it's very difficult to pick what the B feud of those four is yeah, behind it, Neville and Enzo. It, yeah, to I, me, Eileen Gulak and Tozawa, but so that's too. because I love Drew Gulak. Yeah, Drew Gulak's the man. But, I told him we loved him yeah. on Twitter today. Um. Yeah, I think Neville's the guy to put the stamp on that. And I, I also... Oh, man, I only have five... I'm not even going to start that point, Justin. No, do it real quick. Okay, here. Neville is, is so, so good. good. I'm excited to see his babyface moveset make a return in a badass form. And I think there's something to that, because the red arrow that he hit on Enzo on Monday, probably the best red arrow of all time. It was very good. I still think the Rollins one. Wait, we went over 15. I mean... <laughs> oh, I don't like that that hat oh, You know I'm a stickler for the rules, the Justin. Rules. You know I'm a stickler for the rules, Justin. I don't like that flagrant disrespect. Well, we were we talked in slow motion for a little bit there. Listen. So time slowed, which gave us some extra time at the end. Also, you suffered an injury halfway through the that round. Is, yeah, so yeah. some extra injury time That's there. a good point. Folks, you can't see, but he's bleeding profusely from his thumb. Yeah, I yeah. cut my thumb off uh, <laughs> accidentally. Yeah. It wasn't like a... Like a suicide. Yeah, thing. you were whittling like a yeah. stick, basically. Yeah, yeah. I was carving my point. I was carving my sword while we did the show. Exactly. I'm working and then on you a accidentally sword. Accidentally chopped your thumb off. Wow, great bit, <laughs> Justin. Let's. Have, what do you say we answer some lister questions? What oh, do you say about uh, that? That's one of my favorite things to do on the show. I think it's. Uh, listen, I love. I love talking to the people. Every single one of you is one of my friends in my mind. So I, I just like bullshitting with my friends, Justin. How about we uh, we get to the first question? Sure. Which comes to us from uh, Mitch Pollock. Uh, who does listen to the show. We yeah. can, so confirmed to us on Twitter. Yeah. So thanks for listening, Mitch. And, and Mitch uh, got to produce, like I said last time he wrote in, a great interview with Chris Jericho. Yeah, you listened to that today. Yeah, uh, Mitch sent me the video for it, and I posted it on my Twitter, so you can find it there. Some real good stuff from Jericho. I thought it was very entertaining. And Tom Power, also a big wrestling fan. Yeah. So both Mitch and Tom got to like geek out just so by cool. being in the same room as that, him. That is, I definitely plan to watch that uh, this week. Uh, Mitch's question is, which WWF character did you love as a child that if it debuted in 2017 would be wildly offensive? Justin, spoiler alert, all of them. But yeah. who comes to your mind first? Yeah, that's hard, man. Uh, I've always been a Mark Henry fan. Oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. But I, I feel like, like the way that he was treated 
and portrayed on television right now would be a huge spot of moral outrage. Absolutely. The sexual chocolate character at this point uh, <laughs> would, yeah, that would be, they would get a lot of negative press attention for just the, uh, you know, sexualization of Definitely. black bodies. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's a good answer. Um, my answer is Rowdy Roddy Piper. It's uh, it's not anything particular about his gimmick, but if you go back and watch old Piper's pits, he is biting and at times pushing envelopes, shall we say. Yeah. Uh, now, I'm not going to say I loved him as a kid. Again, a little before my time, but a guy who's beloved for his promos. When he passed away, I went back and watched a ton of his content. There's some stuff that has not aged the best uh, out of old Roddy. What, you mean like it's it's not great to like paint yourself black <laughs> or half black, half white? That doesn't fly in 2017? Uh, not for me. And then like somebody uh, pulls a prank on you by spilling all of the stuff that will remove the paint from your skin into the sink and you can't get it off of yourself? I don't know what you're talking about, bud. Uh, Justin, we also maybe have a moral quandary here in ties to this question because we sign off our show every week doing the Curry Man uh, segment. Yeah. Curry Man, you could definitely say, is racist. Yes, probably. I mean, uh, now listen, this is a bigger discussion for another day, but he he comes up and his... His opening sting is Konnichiwa! Yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, and it is a white man. But he's presented as a Japanese superhero. So it's. I think it's a gray zone, but I wonder if 10 years from now we'll still be signing off from Korean because we'll still be doing the show. He's such an excellent wrestler that I, I think know. we're willing to overlook. Yeah. And like... It's a it's a stupid it's one of the stupidest gimmicks ever. Yeah. But it's so fun and you can tell that this is a guy that like never traditionally been a good talker. No, but he does speak some Japanese, yeah. which works for it. And listen, it's silly and goofy, which yeah. is it's not anyway. It's interesting. Christopher Daniels, it's okay. Chris you're, Daniels, you're not you are, a racist. You are amazing and probably the most underrated wrestler of all but time. But you are a borderline racist, maybe. That's that's your one <laughs> downside. Uh, this one comes oh, wait, from wait, us. can I talk about Chris Daniels sure, for a second? Sure. I watched just for anybody looking for a match this week, Christopher Daniels and Daniel Bryan, or sorry, Curry Man and Daniel Bryan against Gato and Jade in uh, I think it was all J- maybe it's New Japan. I can't remember, but it's on Daily Motion. The last half of that match is a crackerjack. This one comes to us from our friend Matt Prince at Mr. Matty Pie. He asks, if the wrestler were made into a gritty HBO TV show today, which wrestler would you cast as the main character? I mean, all I want is for this show to be made now. So thanks, I Matt. mean, technically the film did not star an actual wrestler. No, but I, they, you could have a wrestler in that role. And I, yeah. I think you... You would have to have Hulk Hogan, wouldn't you? Really? Do you not think so? I, I thought like Hulk was the only answer here. Because here's the guy. People talked about how the wrestler mirrored Mickey Rourke's career, how he had gotten into the drugs and he wasn't beloved anymore, and he had to make a comeback. But it seemed obviously based on Jake the Snake. Though, Definitely. In, in a way, That's, which is funny because Darren Aronofsky did say that he had never seen Beyond the Mat. Right, which is crazy. Which is insane because it seems like there are scenes that are pulled right from that documentary. Listen, guy's dating Jennifer Lawrence. He's doing, he's yeah. doing something right. Mother! Oh, I love that movie. Uh, so I would pick Hulk Hogan because this is a guy who who does need to be on the, the redemption trail. Okay. Uh, and I think is a broken down wrestler. And Hulk Hogan, for better or worse, does have acting chops. He can be Hulk Hogan. I'm going to I'm gonna go with a very unconventional pick here okay. right now. 
and you might hate it. Probably, you might love it. Okay. This is this is a guy who I think it's polarizing. When we, when we think, no, he's not a polarizing figure by any stretch, but he he's never demonstrated that he has the chops to pull off this kind of acting okay. performance. When we think of him as a personality outside of the ring, I th- I think like largely he's thought to be kind of a goofball. Okay, uh, which I think, but I think he has probably the life experience and enough wear and tear on his body at this point that he could effectively get across a lot of, of drama. Uh, I'm going to go with Rob Van Dam as the star of this show. Okay, uh, come he's, on. He's getting a little older. He's got, he like, he's somebody that we, th- like, because I when I think, you know, obviously Hulk Hogan in his life has gone through some things at this point. Yeah. But I hate him as a human being. Sure. So I don't want to root for him. That's understandable. You need somebody who's, like, fallen on hard times, but you want to see get that moment of redemption. And I know it's fictional, and Rob Van Dam in his real life has not really fallen on hard times. No, he's killing it. Uh, but I think that he probably has enough life experience within the business at this point, having been around the block for decades by now, that he probably could effectively do this pretty well. And I think it would be such a new and fresh and exciting side of him that I would want to tune into that each and every week. Uh, Justin, there you'll be uh, hard to find a bigger RVD fan than me. I do love the answer, and I think he fills a lot of it. His lackluster stale promo ability makes me think but maybe he doesn't need to talk that much yeah, in the movie. Exactly. Like Mickey Rourke didn't talk a lot in the wrestler either. No, I guess that's true. Though he, he did give a great performance. I yeah, I really oh, love that movie. I love that movie so much too. I just think, you know, a lot of times when you think of a guy and not that RVD was ever a comedy wrestler, I think it's easier for for com- for comedians to do drama than it is for drama people to, to do, do comedy. comedy. Dramedians are yeah, called. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And in that sense, like maybe there is some other side of RVD that we've never seen before that could be tapped into. I I think there's room to think that, and I like the. Answer. I don't know why he popped into my head, but as soon as I like. Like I, no, can just, I just thought of him being sad and like working in a, the butcher sure. department of a, and I was like, yeah, uh, that's that sounds like something that he could do, and I, like I would it. watch it. Justin, our next question comes from the one and only Michael J. Foist. Hello, Michael. And Michael asks, if you could put a wrestler on trial for a crime of your choosing, who would it be, and why? Um, hmm. I'm gonna go with Jimmy Snuka for murder. <laughs> why? <laughs> Because he is a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, the man's dead. <laughs> uh, yeah, but if I get to pick anyone. Oh, I'm you're assuming s- my magic powers can bring okay. him back to life. So you're bringing him back to life yeah. just to put in jail. Yeah, exactly. Wow, Justin. You- <laughs> <laughs> well, my answer is a little more lighthearted. <laughs> and no, it isn't Dolph Ziggler for rape, <laughs> Justin. Mean guy. <laughs> it is Dolph Ziggler for crimes against entertainment. It is Dolph Ziggler <laughs> is going on trial for manslaughter. Something innocuous. Okay. Where you know no one's gonna hate him, but he's off my TV and in prison. Okay. I could I be his lawyer for that because you know I love to argue on. Yeah, here let's do it. Ziggler. Let's let's do it here. Okay. You you so here I'll, I'll say Dolph, you stand here before the court today because uh, you ran over someone with your car while you were texting, bud. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury. I'm here to show the world. Boo! I'm here. I am here Boo! to show the world that my client Boo! is innocent. Boo. All and right. I, and just... I know there are folks out there who would love to throw the book at this gentleman. But? To see him rot 
behind bars. Yeah! Who think? Yeah! Who, who think? Rot! Who rot, think? Rot! The courtroom's gone crazy. Who Justin. think that he is a garbage person? Yeah! Garbage person. That he, that he is of low moral character. What? <laughs> but it is too bad, ladies and gentlemen, that he is too good. I rest my case. So I'm still the judge, right? Yeah. <laughs> clang, clang, clang. <laughs> Bud, I was only going to give him 20 years. But after that terrible, <laughs> terrible thing you said, he's getting the death sentence, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm sorry to give you this bad news. It's too bad. He's too dead. And then I, Dolph is very upset, obviously, that I yeah, didn't argue yeah, very well. Crying. And I have to say, as he gets led off to the uh, electrical chair, I have to tell him, <laughs> well, this is what you get for picking someone who's never been a lawyer before. <laughs> <laughs> it's the kind of thing Dolph's going to do because yeah. he's an idiot. <laughs> Justin, you want to read our next question? Sure. Us, it comes to us from Sugar Ray Fan Club at Blair. Pochico! The jacked one himself is in the building. What is the most oddball piece of wrestling merchandise that you own? Mine is either Undertaker's Foam Urn or the <laughs> WCW album. <laughs> Justin, I have two answers for this. I'm pulling okay. a Justin Morissette on okay. this one. Yeah, all good. Uh, so in my uh, pro wrestling crate last month, I got a Eddie Guerrero oven mitt. Yeah. That says Latino heat on it. Oh, yeah. So it's an oven mitt that is bright orange and uh, has Eddie, a picture of Eddie Guerrero on it. So I'd say that's a pretty weird piece of wrestling memorabilia, right? I thought it was the best item that came in the crate. I thought I so, too. I watched you unbox it. Uh, yeah, it's a very strange little piece there. Um, I don't know, because I didn't really start collecting memorabilia until recently. Sure. Although I probably have some toys from when I was a kid. I will say the strangest piece of wrestling memorabilia that I own is... Of all of the wrestling action figures that I have oh, yeah, from yeah, when yeah. I was a child, uh, you know, I've got some some standards that you would expect a, a kid uh, from back in the day to own. Rock. Uh, back then, I got The Rock, I've got Triple H, I've got Kane, but I also have the Big Boss Man. Really? Yes. <laughs> that is good. <laughs> so I have a Big Boss Man action figure. My, uh, uh, my, my second answer is uh, Brock got me the vinyl. I wish I'm just look up what the fuck this thing is, but it's a piece of WWF vinyl, and it has both theme songs and covers performed by wrestlers on the WWF roster. That's wild. It's kick ass. I'll show you it over at Studio Beard How Five next time you're there. That sounds good. But one of those two would be the the weirdest, most obscure piece of wrestling memorabilia. I don't know if either touched that foam urn. That sounds yeah, kind of sick. That's rad. I also will Blair say, post a picture of it. Send it to us. I'd love to see that. I also will say that. Uh, I have my Cesaro section sign from one oh. of the Raws that I went to. That's cool. I never got rid of it, and I did display it in my home for a time. And in fact, now that I'm moving into a, an apartment where my girlfriend has no say over how I decorate the apartment. <laughs> Too I real, think, Justin. I Too think real. the Cesaro section sign is ready, willing, and gable to make a comeback. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, shell yeah. Justin, our last question this week Comes to us from at Lorenzo Meow on Twitter. Hello, Lorenzo. You have Russian characters for your name. I don't know how to pronounce that. You know how to pronounce that, His Justin? name's Doug Lorman. <laughs> well, I don't know how to read Cyrillic either, but I know that he's Doug Lorman. So, hey, Doug. How do you know? Because he's a real good listener. This could be a Doug Lorman impersonator. No, it's Lorenzo. Is It's uh, is Doug 3PO. He used to be his old Twitter name. Well, Doug, if that really is your name, asks... 
Why do you think they don't use more managers like they do back in the day? And gosh, Doug, that's a great question. Um, I think it's because it makes Heyman feel special to be the only one, in a way. You know, Lana is also a manager in some ways, so she's, like, it's not just Paul Heyman, but I think if more guys had mouthpieces like that, Heyman wouldn't feel as as much of a, a special attraction. I see what you're saying. And I, and I don't think... and. It also would kind of expose the formula of Brock a little bit more if there were more guys who got the same treatment. I think that, Justin, you're probably right that that is part of the reason. Now, I think it's somewhat known that McMahon just doesn't like managers. He thinks that they they detract from the actual attraction, which is the superstar. I disagree with Vince McMahon. I'm very into managers. I wish they would go back to to the days where a guy has a stable. Maybe a manager's coming back two, three segments in a show because he's managing multiple people. We talked about Bobby the Brain Heenan last week. I mean, we're we're sort of seeing that right now in a way with – our friend who's listening, Titus O'Neil. Yeah. Because he, he's like a wrestling Absolutely. manager at the moment. Like a true agent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'd like more of that. I'd like it all over the show. I liked when Summer Rae was with Tyler Breeze. I, I, I like Lana with Rusev. I don't know that else. Tyler Breeze really liked that. <laughs> yeah, according to his tweet, he did it. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I thought that would, would pop up in Sunday Night Tweet this week. That was a, a highlight of wrestling Twitter. But I think between McMahon not liking it and, uh, again, making Brock and Heyman package being a special attraction, yeah. those probably are the reasons. I, I think when Brock eventually retires, which we're probably not as far away from right now as we might think. Might be a good point. Uh, like maybe in the next four years or so, uh, that that maybe you do see more of a return to that. But at the moment, you know, Heyman is so tied to him and they are such a special attraction at the top of the card that even to do, even to put like a, a mouthpiece with like Asuka would feel kind of derivative of Lesnar in a way. Don't you think? <sighs> I would say I'm on the fence with it. I'd have to see it in action to really know. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's because managers like, in general are tricky because Heyman has not failed, but hasn't stuck with a bunch of guys. Exactly. Right? So it's you, not. I mean, it's not like Lana feels derivative of Heyman at all, but she's also a woman, so the dynamic is it's different. a different thing. What about Enzo for Cass? Not that he was a true manager, but the, there are different dynamics to be explored. I think there aren't enough face managers around. Like yeah. I think Titus is the only one. I think That's there true. is a lot of like they have a lot of guys on the roster. I said this when we did an Enzo Amore round a couple weeks ago. There's a lot of guys on the roster who are just unbelievable in-ring talents, but don't have the character side down. And I think there's a lot of space to, to have some packages going there you're probably um, right but that's our last question for the week justin yeah. and we get to end on the note of you're probably right but is oh. he folks we'll no. see yeah we'll when we out. judge the rounds next week you gotta come back and find out who won Please. this week's top marks justin can you get your phone out right now sure okay because i need you to take a picture of me okay all right and you're gonna tweet this out on the account later because i'm going on my knees justin you're taking the knee i'm i'm standing in solidarity with our NFL brethren and sisters, I don't know what pose to do. But while I'm down here on my knee, I'm begging the people, leave reviews, tell your friends. We love doing this podcast. We adore when we see these little increases. It means a lot to us. And I would greatly appreciate anyone doing any amount of effort that they can. So here I am in solidarity. We're taking knees. I'm taking the knee as well now. And we're begging. And uh, yeah, to please do. Leave a review on the iTunes store. It helps us greatly uh, to uh, get that little bump in their algorithms. And just tell people that you like the show, that the show exists, that it's something you listen to every week, that you think uh, we have 
good chemistry, that we're funny. We're always finishing each other's sandwiches. Ah, I got him! <laughs> if you happen to think that that is true, uh, then that's very nice of you. But it also helps when you tell people so that we can see this thing start to blossom and grow a little bit. Because I think, you know, there's a lot of wrestling podcasts out there. We're just another wrestling podcast. We are, but we are more than that. We are an exceptional wrestling podcast, Josh. Oh, yeah. I agree. I think this is one of the best ones there is. And uh, it would be nice if... Anyone out there agreed with me? <laughs> I agree, way. Justin. Well, actually, I think we're probably like second best behind. Well, sometimes I record voice memos about wrestling oh, on okay. the can, and that thing is. Oh, there yeah. are some takes that would blow your mind. Okay, it's like a two-hour. Uh, but you know yeah, what you else? Save that for your toilet session. Yeah, yeah. Well, all I do is record yeah, it, then listen br- back. You can't bring those to the show. No, Justin. <laughs> this is my B content. The real stuff goes <laughs> onto my voice memos, and then I just listen to it back and applaud at my own takes. Um, and I, those those ones, you'd be stunned. They're they're well. I hate that we took the knee in a moment of self-promotion. That yeah. kind of feels like we did not really understand the full, mem- uh, you know, the full message that's being portrayed here. But, yeah. Uh, you know what? Uh, we do stand in solidarity with our uh, NFL brothers. Oh, a hundred percent. If uh, if there's backlash against this, it's the dumbest. It's I, there's no place in it for my life, frankly. Uh, I'm not sympathetic to people who think it's disrespecting a flag when you have it all over pants and cowboy hats and whatnot. And ultimately, this protest has nothing to do with the flag or the troops or Zero. anything like that. That's all a distraction narrative to remove the actual message, which is that uh, police brutality uh, in, a ra- in a racial sense is uh, a situation that is out of control and has been probably forever. But we only are aware of it now as a result of everyone having camera phones. And this is something that has been ignored forever because police unions do not really find against their own ever. Nobody ever gets fired. Nobody loses their jobs. Go watch the movie American Gangster. Uh, apparently there are no bad cops. Not any. Know? They're just none. The mm. only police brutality we support on this podcast is, is it, boss man invading people's funerals. Exactly. Uh, it, because so if your dad died and a cop shows up to uh, <laughs> hit your hook to the back of the casket, you get no sympathy from off, us. Then we think blue lives do matter in that context. <laughs> but otherwise, fuck the police. Woo! And until next week, be hot, be spicy, taste great, because you're curry man. <laughs> 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 Titus Worldwide! <laughs>